You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. Uh, I've known Alana Rizzo for a lot of years now. Incredibly talented, multi-time Emmy Award winner at MLB Network and graciously making some time for us on the show right now. Hi, Alana. Happy, uh, I guess, end of summer. or Maybe it's still summer. I don't know. Good morning to you, Bill, and everyone in L.A. Miss you guys out there. Um, yeah, it's uh, summer has flown by. Here we are. Um, changing of the calendar here pretty soon to September. First day of school for my kids, which means, at least in the Ryder household, that uh, the house is quiet and baseball is getting really, really serious. And it, it coincides with the Padres team, obviously, that is having a good season despite the dominance, again, of the Dodgers in the NL West. And Fernando Tatis Jr., that saga, took another turn yesterday where he, to, I think, Alana, to his, his credit, at least this part of it, met the media, answered questions in English and Spanish, uh, gave an apology, talked for a while. It wasn't one of those scripted situations where the PR guy steps in after 30 seconds and says no more questions. But obviously there, there's a lot to unpack here. Let's just start with what is your reaction in the entirety of this Tatis Jr. saga to what you saw yesterday? Well, first of all, uh, he absolutely needed to address the media. I kind of blew him up on high heat last week because there were some, um, not even reports. I mean, Jerickson Profar came out and said that he is very close to Fernando Tatis Jr. And he had several conversations with him about trying to convince him to come and talk to his teammates. And I took exception to that because I don't think anybody that's made this type of egregious um, move in their career should have to be convinced to talk to the teammates um, and people that you let down. That being said, um, he made his way to Petco Park, had conversations with A.J. Preller and the Padres front office, and did address the media in both languages. Um, he needed to do that, and I commend him for doing so. I just don't understand this whole thing. I don't understand why somebody as talented as Fernando Tatis Jr., who's already at the big league level, who's on his way back to a team that's contending for a postseason position, who's already signed a very lucrative contract. I don't understand the mindset or the decision-making process to even go that route. I mean, I can, I'm never excusing cheating and I'm never excusing doing things the wrong way when it comes to performance enhancing drugs, especially in major league baseball where the testing is so good and the, and they take it incredibly seriously. I can see it. I guess if you're trying to get, a big contract. If you're trying to get to the big league level, um, I, perhaps his only defense is that he was trying to heal more quickly, but I still cannot stand here. And I would say this if it was a Dodger player that was doing this as well. I can't stand here and say that I forgive him even with, an, even with the apology. It's incredibly unfortunate that somebody that has that much natural talent felt this was the way to go. And this is a team that you can't fault the front office, Bill. I mean, they have done everything they can to put a winning product on the field and do what they could to compete with the Los Angeles Dodgers in that division. I mean, A.J. Preller has gone out and signed Fernando Tatis Jr. to that long deal. He's signed Joe Musgrove, the only no-hitter in franchise history, to a long-term deal. You go out and you get Juan Soto, you get Josh Bell, you get Josh Hader, which I understand has not been the hater that he was in Milwaukee for the Padres, but don't fault the front office for trying to do the right thing. So I guess all you can do now, um, and let's not forget Manny Machado, who has carried this team on his back the entire season, 
All you can do now as an organization, as Fernando Tatis Jr., as a fan base, is move forward. I mean, they're still right in the thick of things in that wild card race in the National League, and, and I just don't understand, you know, the decision-making process that he has with the motorcycle accident and the PED usage, and now he's having shoulder surgery, and it's just unfortunate for one of the game's brightest and most talented stars. Alana Rizzo, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question on Tatis Jr. that I know is, is really hard to answer because it's one of these crystal ball questions. But but I'm going to ask you, you, you referenced the motorcycle accident, obviously the PED use. Um, to your point, the the difficulties in, in getting Tatis Jr. to accountability early enough, although he got there so people can weigh that however they'd like to. The, the fact he hasn't played a lot of games under this contract from a year and a half ago, 14 years, $340 million, What's your confidence level with everything we know and everything we know about his talent that he will eventually live up to whatever the expectations are for 14 years and $340 million? Does anybody live up to contracts that big? I'm not certain. I can say this, though. He really needs to have a come-to-Jesus moment in terms of what he wants his legacy to be. I mean, I can't realistically stand here and say that I, I don't doubt him now because of these circumstances that have already happened in his very young career. I mean, to whom much is given, much is expected. And Fernando Tatis Jr. has not lived up to the expectations so far that warrant a contract of that magnitude. Um, You know, I hope that this is a really eye-opening experience. I mean, at this point, the Padres are married to him. I mean, it's not as if A.J. Preller can say, all right, see you later. I mean, no one's going to assume that contract. So, they have to figure out a way to cohesively move forward in the, in the right direction. That's going to be a productive direction for this franchise. I mean, the pieces are there. You look at the Padres, my goodness. And really, in the last several off seasons, they've done everything they could. And, of course, at this year's trade deadline, Juan Soto's huge. And you have him for the next three pennant races. What a waste for this year that Fernando Tatis Jr. is not a part of it. So, I'm hopeful that he figures this out because he is one of the game's best. I want him to be successful. I so desperately want him to be successful because the game needs a healthy and productive and, you know, a, a good Fernando Tatis Jr. In, in that lineup. Alana Rizzo here on the show. Uh, Alana, you, you referenced the, the hater trade. His, um, his former team, the Brewers, are, I think, what, a game and a half back of the Padres for the final wild card spot, and right there in the mix, we, you know, the Phillies, I think they're two and a half back. And there's been some some consternation from Brewers players. It's, it's been public about the front office making that move. Is that a reasonable response from a, a contending team, a team that's in, in contention for a postseason spot, to be angry and to, to publicly voice their, their anger when the front office trades a guy that they view as, as important? It was the weirdest and most head-scratching trade for me of the entire 2022 trade deadline season. I did not understand this move at all with uh, David Stearns in the front office of Milwaukee as well as Mark Antanasio, the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. I understand that Hayter had not had the best July, but when Hayter is on, he is arguably the best closer in all of baseball. Um, You know, this year perhaps Edwin Diaz is, but over – his course and his entire body of work, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better, more consistent game-over type of closer than Josh Hader. And it wasn't as if 
the Milwaukee Brewers were the Cincinnati Reds or the Kansas City Royals or a team that has absolutely no chance of making the postseason. I didn't understand this move at all. I do understand that you have a tremendous three-headed monster with the Milwaukee Brewers starting rotation, and you have Devin Williams in the back end of your bullpen for the Brewers. But to get rid of Hayter, I just didn't understand it. And, you know, you could see that Devin Williams was visibly upset when asked about the Hayter trade. Um, you know, you could tell that he didn't, <laughs> didn't understand it, wasn't happy with it. And I think those players have every right to be upset about it because they're in contention. This is a team that's, you know, fighting for a wild card spot. And up until about a week and a half ago, they were fighting for a division because, you know, within the last week and a half, the St. Louis Cardinals have, have really pulled away from the Milwaukee Brewers in the NL Central. But at the time, you know, they could have easily been the division, and they still could, I guess, with, you know, 40 games and change left to play. At the time, they were division title participants. So I was very surprised at the hater trade. That one made zero sense to me. A lot of the, the Yankees on, the, on its totality have had a really good season. They obviously have not played as well of late. Their manager has been frustrated. Uh, he attacked a um, a table, which happens. I've been there, done that with, with my kids. I get it. I understand we lost a shoe this morning. I understand frustrations. I got it. Uh, but there's been some questions about whether or not we're seeing the Yankees regress to whatever their mean is. Do, do you buy that, or are the Yankees still a, a dominant team just going through a difficult stretch, and they are to be feared going forward? Well, I don't think you can ever say the Yankees are not a team to be feared just based on the lineup. I do think, though, that the Yankees continue to make the same mistakes, that they build their lineup to be a slugging lineup. They don't build their lineup or their team, their roster, really, to be a defensive and pitching makeup. And that's what you're going to need in the postseason. You're not going to slug your way to a World Series championship. You're just not going to do it. And if you look at the team that is very likely going to keep the Yankees out of the World Series, and I'm talking about the Houston Astros, they are just built differently. They have that championship pedigree, obviously. They are not afraid of the New York Yankees, and what they do have that, in my opinion, the Yankees don't is an ability to run the bases well. They have that speed factor so they can manufacture runs. Aaron Judge is still my MVP in the American League no matter what, and no disrespect to what Shohei Otani is doing, but with Aaron Judge's 48 home runs, you know, on pace to surpass Roger Maris for 61 as the single-season home run record in the Yankees franchise history. What he has done has been absolutely incredible, but you cannot slug your way to the postseason. And I and my concern with the Yankees is their just inability to be able to gain any sort of, of real traction. Their, their starting pitching doesn't, you know, doesn't concern me as much. Obviously, we know what Garrett Cole can do. Nestor Cortez has been a really nice compliment. I don't necessarily understand the Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader trade. I mean, in the small sample size, St. Louis won that trade because, you know, Jordan Montgomery is 4-0 as a Cardinal, and Harrison Bader right now is on the IL. He will provide some outfield depth coming off of that injured list. But the Astros, I just don't know anybody else in the American League who's going to beat them. And I do think the Yankees are to be feared, but I feel like time and time again, year after year, they're really built to be aggressively dominant in the postseason, or excuse me, in the regular season. But by the time they get to the postseason, they just don't have the pitching. They don't have the defense. Alana Rizzo, I have an insider baseball question for you from someone, me, who's the furthest thing from it. My, my experience covering Major League Baseball was limited to four years 
at the Kansas City Star. Now, I did spring training on the Royals, but I was, I, you know, you're not a real baseball writer if you're in and out, right? I was in and out there sometimes, never had to do the full grind of what I think is the most commendable and difficult beat to cover day-to-day in professional sports. Yeah, I mean, and you know. I mean, I did it occasionally, and I worked hard at the Kansas City Star, but my God, Bob Dutton and, and the folks who did that job when I was there, you know, they're running marathons for years at a time. Uh, so maybe my entire premise is wrong, and if it is, just tell me. But I was always struck by the seismic temper, not even tantrum, just the, the, the stress that would just emerge sometimes. You know, not like Aaron Boone, like, turned a table over. But having covered every sport, I've seen angry football coaches, but they always seem to be angry, and NBA coaches are, do their thing. Is it the grind of a long season? Is it the access that we, the media, have that we just see these guys more often? Am I just wrong And that it feels like sometimes for, for managers that when they when they lose their temper, they, they really lose their temper? Well, I think it's, I mean, it's well past due for Aaron Boone to have lost his temper. And I still don't, I think that was pretty mild, honestly. Agreed. Uh, yeah. I think that he's so frustrated and, and he's sick and tired of answering every single, the same questions every single day. And I, and I can, I can appreciate that and respect that. Cause if you look at all four major sports in North America, only baseball managers have to talk to the media twice a day. I understand that we, yeah. as the media, <laughs> and on a baseball beat have responsibilities and a job to do as well. But I would get sick and tired of answering the same questions also. And he also said, you know, he knows he, I think the way that he said it was, we have the dudes in there to do it. And I believe that. I, I just don't think, you know, I almost wish that he would have gotten more upset and flipped the table over and shown some, shown something, you know, you can't, you can't dictate people's personalities. We all react to situations differently, but um, you know, this is going to be very telling. If the if the Yankees don't go at least go to the World Series, I don't know what's going to become of Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. I mean, Brian Cashman and Billy Bean are the longest tenured general managers in in the sport, um, apart from John Daniels, who was just dismissed from the Texas Rangers. John Daniels was there for 21 years. Cashman and Bean have been there, I want to say, 25 and 23 respectively. But I'm glad Aaron Boone got upset. I, you know, sometimes I think he could, should be more upset. But um, I just think it's, it, you know, it's, it's a slow boil until it starts to boil over. Baseball is just an absolute beating. I mean, doing 200 games a year between spring training, regular season, and postseason as a beat writer or as a, as a you know, beat or a team reporter is an absolute beating. And I, and I don't blame Aaron Boone for finally showing some frustration publicly. Alana Rizzo, who has done that job year after year after year after watch people like me just come in for a few days. This is fun. Uh, Alana, as always, I mean, great interview, great insight. Really appreciate having you on. Hope you're well. Thanks for uh, thanks for making time. Oh, it's always my pleasure. You take care. Thanks you too, Alana Rizzo on the show. Uh, door number four, Diesel. Possibly as I as I think about. It could have just been these people having to deal with me because <laughs> I had some MLB dudes get real <laughs> mad at me in my time. In my, in my time. No, um, could it be you? No, I'm I'm so easy to get along with. Um, normally I let you, and you, this is your thing, so I don't want to step on you here. Sort of define buy or sell, but I actually kind of have you. As you know, I read buy or sell as I always do this morning, and I sent you a little note that I love it. I love buy or sell today. I mean, I love it every day. It's really good. Can I? Can I? Can I sort of tell the audience what I what I think it is? Absolutely, please do. Today is a thorough and beautiful transition fest fueled buy or sell. <laughs> it is. I loved them, and it's next year on CBS Sports Radio. 
You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for being here. Phone number is 855-212-4CBS. Twitter is uh, Sports Writer, Sports R-E-I-T-E-R. For me, at CBS for Mr. DeCelestino, and at Andrew Bogish for Andrew Bogish. Who's on updates? Is he in that room? I want him to hear this. Oh, he's there. He heard right. you. So, Andrew, you're going to be excited about 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 this. Um, it, only the first three or four questions, but Diesel <laughs> went strong transition game at the top of buy or sell. So I'm going to try to keep it moving and not interrupt him, so that we we can really really um, enjoy the majesty of his transition genius. Is Peaky Blinders your muse here? Is that what we're learning? That the show is so good through three seasons, it's inspiring even better writing from you? I mean, honestly, I don't try to write these transitions. It's just a natural thing. That's what legends say. You're right. <laughs> that is what... That, I can't say it better. Let's just go into ourselves. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. We discussed earlier this week UFC President Dana White publicly saying that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski were very close to signing with the Las Vegas Raiders back in 2020. Well, yesterday, Raiders quarterback Derek Carr met the media and he was asked if he's immune to rumors and stories about his future with the team, saying, quote, by now I would hope so. It is what it is, end quote. My question to you, Bill, buy or sell Dana White going public with his Tom Brady story put Derek Carr under the most pressure of any QB this season? Ooh, I'm going to sell that. Sell. It ups the pressure game, but I think for me and Bogus or Diesel jumping in if I'm missing somebody. It's Tua than Baker is kind of where I go, fighting for their actual careers. I'll start with Tua. I don't know about Baker. Not ahead of Derek Carr after this, I think. Do you think so? Okay, okay. Pressure power rankings moving up. I'm completely with you on both of them. Tua, Baker, and then I think it's Carr. And I don't think there's a wide separation between two and three. But I'm with you with Tua and Baker. Sell. Now, speaking of those Raiders, their new wide receiver, Devontae Adams, was a guest of the Pivot podcast. And he said he has his eyes on the Hall of Fame. I mean, I want to be in that hall, man. It's, it's only 29 in my position in there. And I think about that. I got that on my alarm clock when I wake up. Go get it for your girls and slash 29 in there right. just to remind me every day. Buy or sell that Devontae Adams will end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. And it is a great transition, and the question transitions, because it hinges totally on Derek Carr, which is so interesting, right? I love that that's his mentality, by the way. I love that. I love it so much, that ambition. I don't think he's not there yet. I don't think he needs to win the Super Bowl. I'm just thinking this through. I think, you know... Three or four more excellent seasons, right? You got to say healthy. Derek Carr is going to be great. I think. I think like winning an AFC West and like having that kind. 
I'll, you know what? I'm gonna buy it. I think it's it's probably less than fifty percent, but I think he'll. I think he'll pull the. I think he'll get there. Now, how long? Now, how much perception? I guess will change if he proves he does not need Aaron Rodgers. Like if Derek Carr is fine, lot. he's good. He's still not a top five quarterback, but Devontae Adams can prove that he can make Derek Carr better and not the other way around. So I think that's a big part of it. And part of the reason I think he's going to get there is, is my answer to the question I'm going to ask you guys. Buy or sell that Devontae Adams needs Aaron Rodgers less than Tua Tungavailoa needed Patrick Mahomes. You mean Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill. What did I say? Tua. Yeah. Buy or sell Devontae Adams less reliant on his all-time great than Tyreek Hill was on his. I'll buy that. Yeah, buy. me too. But buy. I'll sell on, I'll sell on D Cell's initial question. You think he won't get there? I think he won't. Like almost for the same reasons that you did. It's, it's less than fifty percent. It's hard as a wide receiver to get him. And as good as he's been right now, even if he like doubles what he's done, I, I just don't know. He doesn't feel like a player that. He can be a Packer Hall of Famer. He can be a Raider Hall of Famer. He just, at the moment, to me, does not feel like a pending football Hall of Famer. Who are the Hall? Because it's also generationally, right? Like, those numbers pigeonhole you. So it, it, you're not competing against history, but history dictates how many guys you're competing against in your own era. I mean, we're so, in the era of the wide receivers. Some right. of these guys are going to get in. If, if Adams isn't one of them, then who is it? Who are the Hall of Famers that are of this era at the wide receiver position? That it's still playing yet. Yeah, they're playing right now. I mean, I don't is. I mean, I don't think OBJ is a no. Hall of Famer, even though no, he's a talent. No, 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 no. I mean, I don't think Antonio Brown's a Hall of Famer, even though he's a Hall of Fame talent. Um, Tyree Kill has a long ways to go. Obviously, I don't think Cooper Cup is there. No. I'm just trying to think of the top receivers in the game, right? Like, I, I know he's on the and, tail end of his career, but are you going to put Julio in there? No. No, I don't think no. so. So I'm looking now at, at just the all-time receiving yards leaders just to have names in front of me. Larry Good. Fitzgerald, Hall of Famer, yes. no doubt, number two on this list. Steve Smith is number eight on this list. I think he's a Hall of Famer, or at least he's going to get serious consideration to being one. Wow, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, not in the Hall of Fame yet, but those guys, to me, are Hall of Famers. Torrey Holt, Anquan Bolden. These are all recent guys. I think Holt's a Hall of Famer. That Maybe. are that are Maybe. either you know not voted in yet or not even eligible to be voted in just yet. So you know who, who are will, the high who are the highest guys of modern of kind of, if you scroll down is that easy to do just who yeah so are currently playing so Fitzgerald at number two although he's yep. still technically active not on a roster right, right now then Steve right. Smith Jr. at number eight Reggie Wayne ten Andre Johnson eleven. Anquan Bolden, 14. Torrey Holt, 16. Julio Jones, 17. How about, like, dominant guys? Like, who... Like, guys that are top of the... He doesn't go too far down. Uh, I mean... Well, I mean, we're going, going farther down the list now. Right, I know, but I'm just wondering who can climb. Uh, I mean, like, Devon... Antonio Brown's on is number 24 all the time. He's got yeah. more yards than Calvin Johnson. But Calvin Johnson was a better... In a shorter period of time, was a right. better player. I mean, look at Gil Sayers. That guy played six actual years, and is obviously like a right. legend Hall of Famer. So, you I mean, now, it. there's really, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is number 42 on this list. Feels like a no. I think Devontae yeah. Adams is going to, I'll say this, between Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill, I think one of them can get in. 
Like, that's... Because there's still a long ways to go, right? You get hurt, your career falls off. And Julio Jones is a good one. I don't I don't think Julio Jones is a Hall of Famer. No, I mean, and like Devontae Adams right now has only 8,000 career yards, not only. It's 102 on this list. And he is two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons in. He's 29, yeah. Or 20, he's, 20, he's 29. Yeah, he's 29 right now. So, I mean, five-time Pro Bowler, two times All-Pro, he's going to have a really, really good resume. But, like, and maybe I'm only shortchanging him, but he's had three elite seasons out of the last four years. He, he needs, needs to have four more elite seasons. Yes, and three. I would say he's got to win a Super Bowl. You think he does? I think it helps. He's not. It's it not the help. same onus as a quarterback, but you throw that on the resume as well, it might cut you through some guys who feel like they're shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with you. We would agree that Kelsey is a no-brainer, right? I know he's not a wide receiver, but Travis yeah. Kelsey, no-brainer Hall of Jason Witten will get in when he's eligible. Oh, I forgot about Witten. Julio Jones is interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't know, man. Well, it's just this is, football to me is always hard because of the cap and because of the backlog of players by position. It just takes a while, and and. To me, it's the most exclusive. It feels like the most exclusive of the group. And I'm a small room guy when it comes to the Hall of Fame. So yeah. you really got to be good to be in my Hall of Fame. And not that Devontae Adams is not that good. I just, I need more, obviously. If he's a top three receiver for the next four years and makes a Super Bowl, is he a Hall of Famer? It, pro- probably, yes. Then probably, no matter what, I feel like from afar, I'll be wrong. I mean, I look. I think it's. I think the percentage is less than fifty percent. I just. I like. Maybe it's just I like the guy and I'm rooting for him. I just think there's going to be a bunch of motivation. I. I don't know if the Raiders are going to be good enough to compete at a high level in that division, given the division. But I think their offense will be very good. I think Derek Carr will deliver the football to Devonte Adams on a regular basis. I think he's going to put up. I'm going. I'm going to draft him if I can. Like I'm going to target him in my fantasy football drafts. I. I think he's going to be really good that the next few years if he's healthy. So I think he's got a shot. All right, a wide receiver who won't end up in the Hall of Fame is Sammy Watkins, who's entering his first season with the Green Bay Packers after having bounced around playing for the Bills, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Baltimore Ravens. Now this week, Watkins said, quote, I think Mahomes is incredibly good, but Aaron Rodgers is on another level. He's amazing. How he controls the ball, how he puts everyone in place. I've been with a lot of quarterbacks, I've never seen them carry themselves like Aaron Rodgers, end quote. Buy or sell Aaron Rodgers being more talented than Patrick Mahomes? It's a great question, and it was a great tra- it was a great transition. That was like a home run transition. <laughs> All right, there's a lot to unpack here. Right? Mahomes rarely threw the ball Watkins' way. Watkins considered himself an elite receiver before he went to Kansas City. It was more of a decoy. Maybe there's some hard feelings. This is what you have to say. But the question is beautiful. Do I talent? I mean, I think they're the most, the two most talented quarterbacks in, or the two of the three most talented quarterbacks in history, if include Joe Montana. <sighs> buy or sell the, the question is buy or sell that Aaron Rodgers is more talented. You got it. It's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. 
It's also hard, too, because, I mean, they're at different points in their career. Like, I guess if we pointed to, like, prime Aaron Rodgers, which, I mean, he just won the MVP, so maybe he still is in his prime. Like, yeah. yeah. And Mahomes, you could say, is still ascending. I mean, it's talent, right? It's not because Mahomes has as many Super Bowls as this guy, as many wins. Right. I'm, a, I'm, gonna buy, I'm actually going to buy it. Buy. I, I reserve the right to be super wrong on this later down the line, and I think it's marginal. But I, before Mahomes came along, I thought Aaron Rodgers was the most talented quarterback in history, which is different right. than successful, much different. And I think I still think that, Bogus. I mean, I always thought Rodgers, in a purely technical way, was the was a better quarterback than Brady. Like, if we're doing Pro Bowl skills right. competition with the blue pool chalk on the end of a ball— and you're hitting moving targets and dropping 40-yard throws into baskets, I would have picked Rodgers over Brady. I don't know how to pick between him and Mahomes. I think Mahomes is more of a winner. I think he's a better guy, which matters in a locker room. I think he built a better chemistry. I think Mahomes would sacrifice individual stats and money for team glory. I don't believe that of Aaron Rodgers. Like, So I think there are some factors that... Ch- like, If you're talking about who's the more... Who's the bet? Who's the winner... Higher on the winner scale, but I'm yeah. That's a really tough question. DC. Yeah, it's a good question. It really is. I mean, it's it it almost doesn't have an answer. I, I can I put it on layaway? What's in between buy or sell? What do I? You I used to work at Walmart in Dubuque, Iowa, and I used to have to put the layaway things away. I didn't work in I worked in the food section. I would stock like you know the orange juice and the candy. It wasn't a grocery store. Walmart is layaway still out there? I wondered this the other day. Is there still a layaway out there? I mean, I want to say no. There's like the digital version of it where there there are like companies now that like when you buy something, instead of paying $100 for it, you can pay $25 over the next four months and spread out the payments, which kind of feels like layaway, right? I got an iPhone the other day for a family member. And yeah, they're like, do you want to pay for this all at once? And I was so, I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, let's put it on your bill. Do you want, I'm like, yeah, I'll just. I have a credit card. Do you not take credit? I got. I'll pay them back. What are we? What are we doing here? Yeah, I got to do that. My daughter's eleven, and she wants and probably needs her own phone for school and stuff like that. So that's on our to do list over the next week. We pushed it back. This is my for my daughter. We pushed it back for for Maddie. She had an iTouch where it only worked with an internet connection, so right. it wasn't quite. And it was like we're. We're, we don't let our kids on, or we try not to let our kids on screen time, but we're bad parents. So it's like a really good intention, but then it's just, I'm tired. <laughs> Go watch some R-rated movies right. at HBO on Saturday. It's tough. And it's also tough because everyone else has one, so you don't want your kid to be the one without a phone. Plus, like, you know, tomorrow she's getting dropped off at the mall with her friend, and they're walking around for a little bit right. kind of by themselves. And, like, she should have a way to call somebody for whatever reason. So I think it's time. We waited long enough. But I, we do monitor. Like, I go through her text messages. She's not allowed to have. Um, she's not allowed to have social media apps. We're, we're pretty right. She, yeah. All right. Yeah. Lay away. Good times. All right. Lay away. Let's get to some college football here. Yesterday, Nick Saban and Alabama. Wait, 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 wait. What's the transition? Uh, let's get to some college football here. No, so Can we're I... done with the transitions. Yeah, because so last one was so the walking transition was so good. Maybe just for now. What about you know, Nick Saban doesn't need to worry about layaway. <laughs> there you go. That works. All right. Nick Saban and Alabama came to terms on a restructured deal that has Saban under contract through 2030. And the worth of that deal is nearly $94 million. Nick Saban, who turns 71 during the regular season. 
My question to you, Bill, buy or sell that Nick Saban will be coaching for five more seasons? Buy. And I think, and I think this is significant also because I think it's – we're going to talk about this earlier in the show and then we didn't. Um, I think this sends a – I think it just sends a really important signal to recruits because it's such a cutthroat business. I'm, even if it's not true, and I think it is true, I'm around, I'm going to be here, right? It gets him back in the news. I think he's a master at generating headlines because that's – young people consume this stuff. And you're some 16- or 17-year-old kid, there's Nick Saban on your timeline. Just a reminder, he's out there if you're some five-star recruit. I and look, I don't know him well, but I've interviewed him. I've talked about this a few times. He just, he just, he just radiates old ball coach, right? Gonna go to heaven on the, you know, he's gonna go straight from the fifty yard line to heaven. Like that's where he's gonna be when when his maker comes for him. I, I think I think he's gonna coach for a long time, Bogus. Yeah, I think the the question is ten years from now, like are they in a weird spot? where, like, Florida State was with Bobby Bowden. Like, is it time to move on? How do we move on? What's going to happen? So, like, he's he's not going anywhere. So five years, ten years, as long as he's around and physically capable, I feel like he's going to be on that sideline somehow. Let me ask you this question. Buy or sell, Andrew, and sell, Andrew first, that you think Nick Saban can be at the top of the profession as a coach into his 80s? Yeah, I'll buy that. Buy. Do you sell? Buy. I see no nothing I can point to right now that would tell me otherwise. He's still at the top of his game. And, I mean, right now, wouldn't we consider him the best college football coach of all time? Yes. And I think still the the most, the best coach in college football today. Right. And right? the like, whole thing's well, a machine. He's got coaches underneath him yep. that know what they're doing. He can swoop in and finish the recruiting thing on a helicopter or a private jet. He can just stand. Like, he could have an offensive coach and a defensive coach, and he can That's just it. kind of be a figurehead. He can be there for a long time and still be very, very good. Yeah, he's not a head coach. He's a CEO. Yes. And if you are good at that part of the job, you can do that for a long time. A long time. All right, don't be mad at me, Bogus, but we're going long here. I'm squeezing Whoa. in one last Ooh. baseball one. Mike Trout, who homered last night and the Angels lost to the Rays, it was his 1,500th career hit. And that wasn't the only Angels bit of news from yesterday, though. Owner Artie Moreno will begin to explore selling the franchise. Moreno bought the team back in 2003. My question to you, Bill, buy or sell Artie Moreno potentially selling the team is a bigger deal than Trout's 1,500th career hit. That's a good question. Damn, you're on fire today, Diesel. It started off buy. really well for Moreno in the early 2000s. Bye. Bye. Two things, reasons. Things have gotten a little sideways for the Angels, though. Yeah, I think it's significant for two reasons. One, a new owner, and maybe Bogus can speak to this with the Mets if he buys this theory. A new owner can absolutely rejuvenate an organization quickly if it's the right owner. I mean, it's got to be the right owner. And, and two, and I think just as interesting in the short term and sort of counterintuitive to that, but also a possible outcome, a new owner also might be willing to pull the trigger on selling or moving on from trading Shohei Otani. Either way, I think it, there's a significant there's significant things that could be afoot with a new ownership. And with all due respect to Mike Trout, career hit 1,500 is 
an afterthought when he gets to 2,000 or maybe 3,000. So the news yesterday is about Moreno. But I will say yeah. this, Mike Trout, who's 31 years old, like it's not a given anymore he's going to get to 3,000 right. hits. No, agree. I had that same thought. That, isn't that insane? It's like he just got old. Plus, he's I mean, not old. You throw in the back condition that we all learned about this season, like right. it's, he might not get there. Buy or sell that Mike Trout is a guaranteed Hall of Famer, even if he retired tomorrow. Oh, buy. Buy. I agree, by the way. He, buy. He, transcend, he transcends whatever accumulation stats are required. Buy or sell the word transcends, Bogus. Buy. Mm. Buy. Mm. Um, what's the latest we've ever gone in the segment? We're near. Are we? We're, we're close. Uh, yeah. I don't want to tell you what time that would be because I don't want you to try it's and 44. challenge it. Correct. I think, it's like three, I think it's two or three more minutes. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you like that hard pause? I got a surprise for D Cell here on the show after we get a. See, look happy. After we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogush. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Show. Uh, writer than you here on CBS Sports Radio. So I was going to say, I meant to say this, um, to thank Mrs. D-Cell for listening to the show. She's been listening the last few days. D-Cell, you're, you're a lovely bride. And um, we appreciate that. But apparently I'm in trouble with Mrs. D-Cell. I got sideways. She did not like something you said earlier Man. in today's program. Can I guess? Go for it. She's Team Patrick Mahomes. Uh, she probably is. I will confirm that later tonight, but that wasn't it. Uh oh. I don't know. Now, as I told you in Bogus earlier, the wife and I finished season three of Peaky Blinders last night, and we were so into it, we couldn't wait. We didn't know what the cliffhanger yeah. was going to be for season three, and we were standing in our living room. My wife behind the couch, me about a few inches from the TV. Because I'm weird and that's what I do. You didn't like that too much. You thought we were weird. I, oh, I'm in trouble for that. I yeah, wouldn't. She didn't appreciate that. Did I say? I mean, look. First of all, weird is beautiful. I, I I'm, I'm all about Portland's. You know, keep, keep Portland weird. Keep everything weird. I like weird. Tomorrow we're gonna talk about a DNA story and a study that shows <laughs> that you can have a twin out there that you've never met as a doppelganger. Crazy. Oh. Um, don't let me, don't let me forget. That's what Stu used to always say. But Mrs. D-Cell, I embraced, did I really make fun of the standing? I, my memory is not making fun of the standing, just sort of surprised by the standing. Uh, I think it was making fun of, but mm. I will have your back on this one. You say weird is good. You have always been about that. You are consistent with that. So maybe yeah. I should take that as a compliment, although I never do. I mean, I probably did make fun of it. I, I do think it's really funny that you guys are that into the show. But, hey, you know what? Who am I to judge? What's the last fictional show I stood up for the ending? I mean, that really is a pretty serious level. Super Bowl, hell, dude, like some third and what, important third and whatever for the Bears, the Chiefs, Bears fan. Kids are born in Kansas City. I work there, so I feel an affinity. Barcelona, soccer. They, oh, they're playing today. They got a little friendly today against Man City. You're going to watch it? It's in, uh,. Like three and a half hours. It's a friendly yeah. in the middle of the regular season. Of course, you know I'll be all over that. What is a friendly in soccer? Uh, when the game has no meaning for the standings. At, yeah, look at that. There we go. Oh, my God. Soccer expert. I just stood up. Thank <laughs> <Egg> your answer. <laughs> oh, mate. Well, I'm sorry, Mrs. Diesel. I will stop 
I will stop making I will, I will stop making fun of your husband if I think it it correlates to you. <laughs> I'll try to uh, try to get that rule into the into the mix. I got I don't know why I don't know why last night I got really I was watching some highlights from the preseason, which is dumb, but I was I was watching a soccer show. I was watching a little baseball. I had, a bun- I had two screens on, and then I switched over to something else, and I just got incredibly excited. About my favorite time of the sports year is October. Other people think that's dumb. But the NFL is in full swing. The NBA gets going, and it's the World Series. We are so close to that. I mean, and, and just as ex- or almost as exciting, the NFL season's around the corner. It's almost go time after the sports lull that is the summertime. And for you, D-Cell, soccer is like really, you know, picking up. And we have a World Cup this year. It's hard. I mean, all all my soccer energy, I don't know if I can, you know, uh, college football is right around the corner. I have to try and divvy this up. Yeah. Man, my parents were in town, and they are so excited about USC, UCLA being part of the mix. I actually, what is that, two years from now, 2024? I hate it on the face of it. That's why they're going to win, right? And I think I, I can't wait for the Big Ten to to, to add those two schools and to watch that conference with USC and UCLA as a guy that comes from Big Ten country. That's going to be that's gonna feel to me, Tom, like something between college sports and the NFL, as silly as that sounds, because it's coast-to-coast now. I love it, but I hate it. I'm with, I'm you. with you. Initially, I hated it. I, this is going to stink. I, how could they do this? Rivalries, yada, yada, yada. It makes it interesting. It just does. It just does. I'm sorry. It's like watching Aaron Rodgers play football. I don't want to root for him, but I just I can't help but marvel at the dude's talent. Like that is, that is what it is. It is a coast to man. It's a good. It's a good time to be alive as a sports fan. Is that a show? Is that it? Are we done? Am I out of time? All right. Thank you to Mrs. D Cell for listening to the show. Thank you to Lana Rizzo for being on the show. Thank you to Andrew Bogish. Thank you to Tom DeSalcino, the executive producer of the program, and thank you for listening. I'm Bill Ryder. We'll see you here tomorrow on CBS Sports Radio.